morning. Glad you're here. Um, you know, I'm thankful for Will uh, and our online ministry um, and so many of the people that serve in that, in that pursuit. I want to just kind of give you some context. Um, right before I became the pastor here, our church, we became debt-free. And we've lived in that uh, out of conviction for the last 13 years, 12, 12 13 years. And I'm thankful for that. And, and so this causes us to, uh, as we take next steps, to um, take a step at a time, a project at a time. And that's why uh, it's important for us to learn to uh, live within our means and, and continue to, uh, uh, and I'm so grateful for how our church gives to our, our daily budget, but we've got to also learn to, to plan for our future without debt. I mean, our church is in a, a really great spot, a really great financial posture as a church. We've been very faithful. And we could go get a loan uh, tomorrow. We just choose not to because we believe we should just take a step at a time. And, and online ministry is very important. I want to tell you something that happened in 2020. There's a young man that was watching online. He, was, uh, he worked at Google at, at Pryor and uh, was connecting with us online. And we have people online that are, are, like even right now, are connecting with people. I think we have about 250 people a week that watch us online for various reasons. And, um, and this young man uh, got saved one, one day. Uh, we connected, and, and I baptized him in 2020. Um, and it was just a really cool deal. His name was Josh Rhodes. And Josh uh, began coming. And, and then Google transferred him to South Carolina. On Thursday, uh, Marshall Blaylock, who's the pastor at First Baptist Charleston, South Carolina, really great friend. He, I served with him on the IMB. Josh, uh, Josh goes, hey, do you know any churches in South Carolina? I said, yeah, Marshall, Marshall's church. Do you know that this last, this, this last cycle for them can't remember exactly when it was, May maybe, he became a deacon at First Baptist Church, Charleston, South Carolina. Josh did. And it, so it's really cool to see the importance of this ministry. And so I, I want to thank you for, for uh, doing this. And, and, and this, in our first service, we had such a beautiful moment. Um, I didn't know uh, Ruthie Spicklemeyer was here until the middle of my sermon. I was preaching, and I go, oh my goodness, Ruthie, you're there. Because I'd mentioned Ruthie and Earl. Earl Spicklemeyer has been watching, Earl and Ruthie have been watching for over a year. Ruthie came for the first time today uh, in well over a year because they've been ill, and they've been watching online, connecting with us online. And so this is so very important, not just for people that are visiting and guests coming, but our people that are, that are ill, and Ruthie's, she's going to kill me because I, I brought her up and we sang happy birthday to her. Her birthday's tomorrow. And, um, and she turned 39 yesterday uh, or tomorrow. Actually, she, Earl's 95 and Ruthie's a lot younger than Earl by about a few months. And, um, and, um, but I'll tell you what, I was so glad she was here. This has been a tough week for Earl. Earl is the oldest church member that we have. The longest, I don't know if he's the oldest one we have. 95 is pretty close. Uh, Dustin, you and I ain't going to make it to 95. But, but, uh, but Earl, is, Earl joined our church a year after we came into existence. He's the oldest uh, of the, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so uh, 
I love him. And I'm so glad we've been able to connect with him. Do you know the last week, uh, 22 of our, of our people gave over 4,000 to Next Steps. And so let's knock this out without debt. And let's just, let's get this done. And so that's my prayer. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hosea. We've been in the Minor Prophets. And I just, oh, I so want to invite you to join us in our Bible reading. As a, as a church, we've been reading through the Bible now for half a year. And, um, and jump in where we are, because every week we're preaching through a passage that we've read throughout the week. And uh, this week we read the book of Hosea. And, and you know, I want us to stand together today and read um, the last verse of Hosea, Hosea 14. And in this verse, not only, in my, my view, summarizes the message of Hosea, but it repeats a very, very important recurring biblical message. In the Old and the New Testament, this message is repeated. Hosea is a tough book. It's a tough book to read. It's a, it's a tough book to understand. It's one of the minor prophets now, when you hear the word, you, you hear major prophets and minor prophets. Ezekiel, Isaiah, these are uh, Jeremiah, these are the major prophets. Not because their messages were more important, because they were longer. The minor prophets are shorter. You know what's interesting? Ezekiel, Isaiah, they, they, they referred to Hosea. The message of Hosea is very, very important. Let's stand together and read Hosea 14 verse 9, and let's dig into this challenging book. Um, it says this, Hosea 14, verse 9. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now I don't want us to miss this today, because this is a critical message, and let's catch this, for people who know the Lord. This is not a message to the pagan nations. This is not a message to those who uh, don't even know they need to seek the face of God. This is a message to those people who have experienced the love of God, the power of God, the voice of God. They have experienced the grace of God. In you know, like Ephesians 3 says, talks about how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The, the, the audience of Hosea knew that. And yet they were living in an, it just complete rebellion against the voice of God. Now, I want you to write this down. It's going to be on the screen, but, but, but I want you to, I need you to write it down. If you, if you just have your phone, put it in your notes. Type it in your notes somewhere. 
But I want you to write this down because to me, this summarizes the, the point of the day. And here it is. The revealed plans of God will always strengthen, bless, and stabilize your life. I'll I'll repeat it again. The revealed plans of God will always strengthen, bless, and stabilize your life. Ignoring or rebelling against God moves you to a life of continuous stumbling. Let me say that second sentence again. Ignoring or rebelling against God moves you to a life of continuous stumbling. Now, some people might say, well, okay, Hosea is Old Testament. We're New Testament people. And I'm amazed at how often churches today don't look at the Old Testament. You know, we're supposed to look at the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, New Testament passage, tells us to look at the Old Testament, to pay attention to these stories, to, to recognize these things. And, and, and you know, you see in the book of Hosea this important message that even after you come to know Christ, the struggle with sin remains. And we should grow up in this. And we should um, learn to obey the Lord. And, and, and here's what disobedience does in the life of the believer. It, it produces for you and me a life of continuous stumbling. And, and you may be here and you're stumbling. Well, obedience to God resist, it produces life for you. The New Testament says this. It says this all through the New Testament. Jesus said, I'll just point one. I can do countless references. Into the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus say? If you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains came, the winds blew, it beat against that house, and it did not fall. But if you hear these words of mine and you do not put them into practice, you're a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the winds blew, it beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so let's recognize this important biblical message that disobedience will, will, will mess your life up. It causes you to stumble continually. Now, the, the minor prophets are hard to understand. And I, I talked to somebody walking down the hallway today. He's like, okay, Hosea, golly, that was hard to read. I, I, it was hard to follow. And, and, you know, I think, you know, some parts of the Bible are hard to follow. Let's recognize that. And, and do you know that I think God did that on purpose? Because we live in this McDonald's society that we want something fast. And we forget sometimes that God calls us to love him with our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That we're to think. We're to learn to use our head. We're to wrestle through the Bible. And, but it's important to do that. But let's notice something as we, as we consider the minor prophets. You see a pattern in the minor prophets, and I just want to point this out. Uh, With all the minor prophets, really, you see this pattern. Every prophet has a confrontation with God. God comes to them and says, look, I got a message that my people need to hear, and you got to go deliver it. And and then you see uh, this this specific calling, and, and and God says, follow me in this. You also see the prophet, they they kind of object to it. 
This pattern happens over and over again. The prophet goes, I don't know that I want to do that. We saw that in Amos last week. He's like, I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. You see it in Jonah. You see this prophet wrestling with, you want me to do what? I don't want to do that. You see it in Hosea. Oh my goodness, I look at the story of Hosea and I'm like, I'm glad that wasn't my job, right? And, um, but God doesn't always call us to easy. Let's not forget this. We, we live in this, um, you know, American context. And Andy Coleman, who's one of our church members, sitting back over here, he, he's always said something that was so convicting to me that he used to travel the world with Voice of the Martyrs where, where he met people that feared the fist. In America, we feared the eyebrow. Wow. I'm not going to, I don't want to cave to an eyebrow. Are you kidding me? God doesn't call us to easy. These prophets' messages, you see that in them. But, but you know what's cool about them? They, they, they heard the call and they accepted the call of God, which is our job too. Let's, let's accept the call of God in our lives. And, and, and you know, here, here's the story of Hosea, and it's a, it's a, it's a difficult story. It's a, it's a, it's a shocking story. It's, it's not G-rated. In fact, it's not even PG-13, okay? This is a shocking story. It's a story that you go, oh my goodness, this is, this is in the Bible? Are you kidding me? God told them to do this? Are you kidding me? But do you know there's, there's some important lessons in Hosea. The first thing I want us to catch is this. We see this in Hosea, that apart from Christ, we're out of control. Even you as a believer, even me as a believer, apart from Christ, we're out of control. And, and we can't forget this. Because the message to Hosea is people that knew better, people that experienced God. Now, at the time of Hosea, God's people were in a, a state of complete rebellion against God. They, they were rebelling in their worship. They, they were rebelling in their, in their culture. They were rebelling at every level. Uh, they, they were not teaching their children. They were passing on a heart of rebellion to their children. And, and the picture of disobedience is graphic. It is, uh, it is vivid. And it's one of these things that make you go, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Turn over to chapter one. I want you to see this. Because what did God do? God called Hosea to marry an unfaithful wife. Now, this got my attention this week. My son gets married on Friday, and I love my daughter-in-law. God called Hosea to marry an unfaithful wife. Look at verse 2. Because what's interesting about this, and I want you to notice, it didn't just stop with the unfaithful wife. This carried on to their children. Verse 2 says, when the Lord of chapter 1. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, go and marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity. You know what that word means? You know what that word means? Not, it's not good, okay? Promiscuity is not what you want to have attached to your reputation. But look at this. For the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. So he went and married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. And she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said to him, 
Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Now, if you keep reading, you'll notice that he has a, has a daughter. And what does he name her? No compassion. And then he has another son called Not My People. Now, um, that's quite a group, right? That's quite, a, quite, a, quite an offspring. <laughs> How would you like that play date at your house? Hey, honey, are you going blo- to invite bloodshed over? Oh, I hope so. I hope he brings his sister no compassion. She sounds lovely. And, and what about not my people? Bring them all over. Let's have a play date, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, you read that and you're like, oh my goodness. You know, and, and then what's crazy is it gets worse from there. Because here, the book is confusing. It, it, it plunges into these, this maze of warnings. There's these micro-sermons in the book. There, there's poems. There's laments. And what's difficult with the story of the book of Hosea, it, it tends to shift between metaphors and you're like trying to keep it all together. But, but I don't want you to miss the magnificence of this book, the importance of this book, the reason Isaiah quotes it. The reason uh, Jeremiah thought it was important that what you see are the effects of sin in the lives of believers. It, it reveals something about God that His grace is stubborn. Think about that. Aren't you grateful that the grace of God is stubborn? Um, You also see um, the power of the presence of God. Now, Hosea, if you look at this book, Hosea represents God and his sacrificial love, his justness, Because in the book of Hosea, God is just. You see Hosea is this representative of a patient, committed relationship to his people. You know, when I read the book of Hosea, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me to be patient with somebody in rebellion. I think that would be beneficial for us. Sometimes we see somebody that's rebellious and we want to go get them. Now, should we confront them? Yes. Should we speak the truth? Yes. But the book of Hosea reminds me to be patient with people that are rebellious. And you know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful that God's been patient with me in my rebellion. Hosea represents God. The unfaithful wife, Gomer, she's, this is a tragic picture. She's a picture of the leadership of Israel the leaders who knew better, who knew what was right. They rejected the call of God. They, 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 their worship practices were shifting from the Lord to Baal. I mean, they, 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 they lost their focus. They took their heart and their eyes off the Lord. This was their leaders. I don't know if you read today yet, but I, I was on my back porch today reading Micah. We started Micah this morning. And I had to stop reading and say, Lord, I pray I'm not a leader like that. 
the leaders lost their focus. That's what Gomer represents. The children, you know what they represent? The ordinary men and women who were trained and raised up by the generation that taught them. Golly, it, it just, it's, it's, it's so important. You know, you know, I thought about, Robin and I were talking this week about Hosea, and, and I was just thankful for my grandmother. If you drive through Moore, Oklahoma, down Main Street in Moore, and you pass the police station, go over the railroad tracks and go to the second street, you'll see Turner Street. And that's my grandmother's name. My grandmother got that land from her family in the land run a long time ago. And that's where I grew up. And you know, my grandmother got all the land because her brother, they were all lost. Her one brother got killed in a bar fight and one got committed suicide and they were lost. And my grandmother got saved. First generation Christian was my grandmother. And you know what? This week, um, we, we had five generations in my family, in the walls, that are walking with the Lord. And you know what? It's, it's striking to me in the book of Hosea. Do you know that could be wiped out in one generation that turns away from the Lord? Just like one generation that turned to the Lord set the course for five generations so far of walking with the Lord. But, but what's sad about the time of Hosea, they were leading their children to not see God. And, and they, were, they were missing the basic characteristics of followers of Jesus, which is integrity. That's a basic characteristic as a follower of Christ. You live with integrity. You had compassion. You have compassion on others. You give not out of selfishness, but of, out of selflessness. This is a fruit of being a follower of, of the Lord, follower of Christ. The, the, the characteristic of, of, a follow, of, of, of a follower of God is knowledge of God. We know Him. We see Him. We look to Him. And, and they turned away from him in Hosea. And, and, and they experienced the natural consequences of their sin. And what were those consequences? The, the institutions of Israel died. It makes me think of our country. You realize that institutions that protect us, that we lean on, they died here. Their places of worship were burned. Their crops and their businesses failed. Their kings and their armies, they perished. Their priests and princes were disgraced. They, 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 they were forced to wander in the wilderness again. And, and they would discover this principle one more time so very clearly that the revealed plans of God always strengthen, bless, and stabilize your life. But ignoring or rebelling against God moves you to a life of continuous stumbling. And this is just true. 
And this is why I, I think it's very important for us to rub shoulders with the book of Hosea and wrestle through it because, because this is the people of God. And how important it is, is and I think back in my life, how, how, how God kept me from, from shifting. And, and I think how important this message is for, for our, our college students that are in the room or, or really at any phase of life you're in. My, my son who's about to get married and, or, or maybe just... Uh, as you as school starts this year or tomorrow as you go to work, as you build your marriage. I, I think of how the Lord has, has confronted me and kept me on track. And there's three things that I've always been appreciative of. And one is God has clearly spoken through his word. This is why we should know the word of God. We should look to the Word of God. We should pay attention to God's Word. This is why at our church, we don't mess around too much. We get into the Bible. We let the Word of God shape the way we think and shape the way we live. I'm grateful for the Word of God. Um, you see in the, in, in, in the book of Hosea, they're, they're pushing them back. Remember what God said. And we should continually remember what God said. It's why, why I, I, I pray that you join us in the reading of the Bible. And I've heard people say, oh, you know what? It's hard. I, I have to get up early. Or, oh, man, I, I missed it. I didn't, I didn't have time today. And, and look, folks, get in the Word. Let's get in the Word. We need the Word of God. Because the Word of God keeps us on track. God's used His Word in my life over and over again to help me think right. Because sometimes I don't think right. And it's the Word of God that helps me think. I'm also thankful that God confronts us in some way. I've, I've seen God use his word. I've seen God confront me in my life to help me stay on track. There have been people in my life that have known me and said, hey, Wall, you're, you're, this isn't right. And this is why we, as a church, we, we lean into conviction. We lean into relationship. And, and we know that we need one another to walk together, to push one another, to be faithful to the Lord. And this is a calling we have. You know, sometimes God uses a catastrophe to get our attention. And, and that's what he's doing here in the children of Israel. He, I mean, like sin naturally produces catastrophe. And don't miss that. But God allowed a catastrophe to come and things began to cave in and the bottom fell out. And it reminds me of something that C.S. Lewis said. I think he's the one that made this famous that God whispers us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is often God's megaphone, isn't it? And it's through sometimes pain. That's why James says, consider it joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. But in Hosea, you, you, see, you see this really interesting picture of the battle of our sinful nature. Paul wrote about that. Remember Paul, Romans 7? Another passage of Scripture that causes you to go, i got to think about this. Let me just read it. Romans 7, starting in verse 15, he said, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. In verse 22, he says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, 
But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Now, Romans 7 is one of those passages of Scripture when you read it fast, you go, wait a minute, what did he say? But it's one of those important reminders that we, even after we come to know Christ, we battle our sinful nature and we are to battle this. We are to turn to the Lord. We are to recognize that we are confused on our own. We are out of control. I mean, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, to recognize, God, I need you every day. I need your voice every day. I'm out of control without you. I am confused without you. And we come to the Lord for clarity, for wisdom, for insight. And this is important for us every day. And so let's push one another to walk with the Lord every day. We're confused by ourselves. We're naturally sinful, Paul. That's what Romans 7 talks about. We're naturally sinful. We've got to learn to walk by the Spirit. Learn to live in step with the Spirit. Learn to look to the Lord. We're naturally sinful. We're internally rebellious. We need to seek the Lord. Like, like my favorite song, prone to wander. My favorite hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. See, this is our, this is our condition. We're out of control without the Lord And we need to recognize this. But notice Hosea 10, 12. Flip over to chapter 10, verse 12, because it's such a beautiful picture. And Hosea has these little sermonettes that just are nuggets of wisdom and nuggets of understanding. And it says this in Hosea 10, 12. Sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. It's it's an agricultural analogy. And if you've ever been around a farm, what do farmers do? They sow their seeds. They put them in the ground. You know what Robin and I did? We, we planted wildflowers in our, in our yard, in our, in our garden thing, what we did. And, uh, um, and guess what grew? Wildflowers. Oh my goodness. Miracle. It was kind of miraculous, but they grew. Because what you sow, you reap. He says, sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed grounds. Look at the, the calling for God's people. Hey, stop being rebellious. Stop, break, like, look at your heart. Soften your heart. It's time to seek the Lord until He comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. Oh my goodness, you know what I've thought about all week long? God, you, it's July, folks. I had to go put a sweatshirt on this morning as I got on my back porch and read my Bible. And I thought to myself, Lord, all week long it's rained. I've had a, my yard is like grew a bunch. Robin came outside today. I was already out there, it was dark. And she goes, this is refreshing today. I'm like, it is. She looked over, she goes, our flowers have never looked that good. And, and you know what? I think God took us through this week 
for this moment right here. Because look at what he says. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. You see, when you follow the Lord, it's refreshing. It's right. Now, I got I to gotta hustle a little bit, but, and I don't want to just, I don't want to miss this though. I can't go too far down this little rabbit hole, but, but you know what you see in the book of Hosea? You see how God has clearly revealed a salvation plan that makes sense. You see, God reveals a plan of salvation. And the minor prophets, you have to be, you have to think about this, you have to be careful with this, but, but there are times in the minor prophets you see a double prophecy. And I want to point out a, just a couple. Like, like look over at Hosea 11.1. 1. I want you to just look at this. In Hosea 11.1, 1, um, Hosea really has on his mind Moses, where he writes, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. What Hosea is doing, he's like, guys, look, you remember what Moses did. You remember how God protected him in the wilderness, how God brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. But now I want you to flip over to Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. Matthew is talking about Jesus going to Egypt and then coming back to Israel. He says, where he stayed until the death of Herod, in verse 15, Matthew chapter 2. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So it's interesting, the Bible admits to two interpretations of Hosea 1.11. One for the children of Israel and one for Jesus, speaking to a salvation plan. There's another comparison I think it's interesting. Look at Hosea 1.10. Why you look at this? In 1.10, he says, Yet the number of children of Israel should be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. Now, now, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's only, I mean, Sherry, you and Jason may be the only Jewish folks in the room. I'm not mistaken. There may be some other people that were Jewish. The rest of us are Gentiles. So by birth, according to when, when Old Testament law, the, they were the chosen people with a calling to share the gospel. Hosea had God's chosen people in mind, Israel's. But flip over to Revela- or excuse me, Romans chapter 9, verse 25 and 26. Because Paul writes in Romans, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not my beloved, I will call beloved. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. See, Paul had in mind Gentiles. Paul was the, the apostle to the Gentiles. And so it's interesting here, you see this kind of Uh, double prophecy, double promise, these kind of double meanings that you have to process a little bit and think and evaluate. You can't just read everything as, oh, well, that's talking about, you got to look at context. You got to wrestle through it. But 
But do you know what you see in Hosea? This incredible bridge to Jesus and the promise of eternal life. So many New Testament writers and so many Old Testament writers look at Hosea. And though we read the book and we're like, how do we, it's hard to understand how we pull it together. I want you to look at Hosea 6 and let's, let's kind of try to try to process this for just a second. Look at verse 1. And I want you to just, there's some debate on this passage, but as a New Testament follower of Christ, see if you can recognize Jesus here. Verse 1, come let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. You know, when Christ went to the cross and died, there's all kinds of debate on what did he do in those three days. There's all kind. Of, there's there's some mystery around that. But when you think about what God was doing in the lives of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus as they went and got the body of Jesus. I almost wonder, as those leaders, was there, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking here. You could almost see their heart being revived. You know what happened when the resurrection took place. Um, he restored us. And I didn't go into it, but you can also see some comparisons of Hosea and 1 Corinthians 15. Fascinating. But then look at verse 3. Verse 3 is my favorite verse in Hosea. Hosea 6.3. I memorized it a little differently, but it's on the stage. It says it uses the word acknowledge. I, I, the way I memorized it, it says, so let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His coming forth is as certain as the dawn. Like, have you ever known a day that the sun didn't rise? Like, following Christ, when God comes forth is as certain as the dawn. You know what it reminds me of? The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. Come on, man. Okay, that's enough Annie, right? But when, but let us know the Lord. Let us press on to know him because his coming is certain. It's certain, folks. And the people of God and Hosea forgot him. They turned away from him and they turned away from what was certain and went to what was unstable. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
And, and then he will come. Isaiah 6.3. So let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His coming forth is as certain as the dawn. He will come. Like the winter rains. Like the spring rains watering the earth. Wasn't this morning so refreshing? You know, I would challenge you. Some people, when it rains, they don't come to church. I would challenge you. If it rains on a Sunday, make sure you go to church. Because of Hosea 6.3. And so I look at this. And you know what I can't help? It's time to decide to turn your life and will to Christ. And look, I'm not talking about a non-believer. I'm talking about you as a follower of Jesus. To turn your life and your will to Christ. It's time. Let me tell you something. The, The revealed plans of God, they will always strengthen, bless, and stabilize your life. But ignoring or rebelling against the the will of God will move you to a life of continuous stumbling. And that's why it's right to look at Hosea 14.9. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But the rebellious stumble in them. Now we're going to have an invitation. And Addy, I think you're in there. Come on up. Um, We're going to have an invitation. Now, if, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want you to know something. If you've been around me, I say this all the time. You need Jesus more than the next breath that you take, more than you need the next breath that you take. Now, my life has been been impacted big time by sudden tragedy. And some people look at me, and I've had some friends look at me and say, Chris, you're kind of heavy about that stuff. I'm like, well, death has impacted my life. And I just don't want to mess around anymore. You need Jesus. If you're here today without Christ, hey, let me tell you something. There's going to be a day you'll die. And none of us are promised tomorrow. You might go, are you trying to scare me? If you don't know Christ today and you walk out here without Christ, you ought to be scared. You should. Because you have no hope without him. None whatsoever. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. Oh my goodness, not out of fear. But do you know what? He, he gives you life and joy and peace and forgiveness. Oh my goodness, come to Jesus. Look to him. Look what he did on the cross. But the message of Hosea is to Christians. 
to followers of God, to people that know the Lord, that have experienced Him. Look, we don't have time. Life is too short, and these days are too important for us to not, to, not to be right smack in the middle of the will of God. So if you're a Christian today, and you've turned your face away from him, turn back. Know. Press on to know the Lord. Know him. Turn away from stumbling and come to him. Now, we're gonna have our, we have a prayer team that has been helping. And I want our prayer team to go around the room. So if you guys could take your spots, that'd be great. Jonathan, let's go. Let's, let's, um, Dustin, it's good. Rex and Sherry. We have couples around. There's men and women around. If you need somebody to pray for you, we will. Look, um, this is going to be a a day to to move where it's not going to be awkward because I need all of you to move today. Addie, I want you to tell us a little bit about, I'm so pumped about this because you're, this week at Influence, we're teaching our kids to, tell us, you tell us about that. Yeah, so Influence is kind of our fun spin on VBS. So kids get to come um, and choose kind of what they're passionate, passionate about, what their gifts and talents are. Um, they get to choose what we call a track. Um, so we've got anything from sports, rec. We've got even this year sewing and baking. Um, so kids get to choose what they want to do all week. Um, and really what we want to do is highlight what they're passionate about, what their gifts are, what their talents are that the Lord has given them, and teach them how they can use their influence um, on others around them to share the gospel and really what we want to do is teach kids that they were created on purpose for a purpose and so um, especially the ones that were around our community this year we have about 460 people that are going to be on campus all week so it's going to be a chaotic fun time we're super excited but we really need prayer Um, we've got a lot of people around um, from our church community that don't usually come here so we just pray that you know God would start softening their hearts and really just start to move in them, that they would really hear the gospel, maybe even for the first time, or that they would um, accept him as their savior. And so up here, actually, we have um, the names of every single kid that's coming and our volunteers as well. We'd love for you to come up and pray uh, or grab a bracelet and pray for them. I've got two on my wrist that I'm praying for over the week. I just pray that you guys would come and choose a name um, to pray over specifically for them. Um, pray that God would move in their lives however um, he has planned for them, whether that be to accept Jesus for the first time or whether that be that they understand that they are created for a purpose and that they are empowered to use what they are um, gifted in to go out and reach those around them. So. That's awesome. You know, I love it that our, our children this week are going to be learning how to serve the Lord. And, and you know, Addie, you've got two. Got Mike Brown said that he's getting two because right. we can go bam, bam on the prayer time. And so I got to get two now. So I'll have two. Uh, Mike's going to have two, right? And, uh, but, but you know, um, can I challenge you? As you get a bracelet and pray for kids, and you pray that God would speak to them uh, and that God would help them learn how to use their gifts to serve him. Maybe you should also evaluate, God, 
how do you want to use my gifts? As I pray for Aurora, that's what I'm getting, and I'll get another one here in a minute. But around the room, someone, we could pray for you. Maybe you need to just turn back to the Lord. Do that today. You don't have to go to anybody. You could do that right now. Just sit in your seat. But let's come and get some bracelets. Let's pray for our children's ministry this week. Addie, would you voice a prayer for just this? And would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we are just so grateful um, that we can meet in a place and just learn more about you. And I just pray over this week as we have about 460 people um, coming ready to serve you and to learn more about you. I just pray that right now you'd start working in them, that however you choose to move in them this week, that they would just be open to um, listening to your word and listening through our volunteers. Um, all of our volunteers and our leaders that are coming this week have been placed in track specifically because they also love the, um, the passions and the gifts that you have given them. And we are just super excited to see how you use those leaders to move in the lives of their kids. I just pray that you just start to work in the volunteers' lives, that they might be anxious and nervous, but also show them the opportunities that they have to have those gospel conversations with kids. Um, for the, each and every one of these kids that are coming, Lord, I just pray that you just show them how loved um, and wonderful that they, each and every one of them are, how uniquely individual that they are, and how um, they are created on purpose for a purpose. And we're just super excited to see how you move. Um, just keep our eyes open to um, watching everything that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.